Hello, welcome back, guys, to another episode of The Winner's Circle presented by Grande Sports Training, where we dive deep into the mindset of professional soccer players. Today, we have a special guest, Melanie Poviones, former professional soccer player of the Houston Aces, now known as the Houston Dash, right? Yes. How are you doing today, Melanie? I'm doing great. Um, just, you know, here with you right now um, on this podcast going into work soon, but uh, definitely wanted to make this time to like, you know, talk about, you know, soccer and, and ways to help the youth and soccer community. So I'm awesome, doing good. Awesome. No, well, thank you. Thank you for joining in. It's, it's a pleasure to have you. I know we, we've worked together before and Melanie is such a great person and I thought she would be such a great fit for this podcast. So now we're here. Now we're, we're having this lovely conversation. But Melanie, I want to I wanted to just dive deep into your whole story how you started playing, when you started playing, and then just tap into your mindset. So when, what's your earliest memory of, of touching a soccer ball? So my earliest memory of touching a soccer ball would be when I was four years old. Literally, my dad always wanted boys. He didn't get He got two girls instead. And, um, you know, my sister was more into, you know, the dance and, and, and things like that. And I came out, and he was like, no, I have to make this one a, a boy. I have to make this one a boy even though she's a girl. So as a kid, I have videos of my dad just throwing balls at me. He was just throwing balls at me. I actually ended up choosing ballet before soccer. And um, my dad was, you know, not too happy about that. And he was like, he gave me a choice. He goes, either, you know, we start, you know, picking up sports or you stick to ballet. It was not a choice. It was, uh, you're playing sports. You're not sticking <laughs> to ballet. And from then on, he, he didn't even have a soccer background. He was a football player. So he started YouTubing. He started, at that time, Messi was like, you know, everything. Mia Ham for the girl side, she was everything. So he was like, let's start learning, you know? Like, he started looking at YouTube videos. I used to go out to the park every day. Every day, park. Me and him, training, training, training. And I would say by, like, four years old, Mahomeno five, I started, like, really, like, touching, like, touching, the, like, touching the ball, touching the ball. Okay, okay. okay. And then when did you and start when did you start playing for a team? Playing for a team. So I started playing for Miami Lakes when I was seven. So Miami Lakes Optimus over here in Miami Gardens. Um, I used to I used to play there. Okay. And how was that experience joining a, a team for the first time, getting into the whole group environment, team environment? How was that experience for you? Well, it was good, except now at this point even though it was a team, my dad was a coach. So it was a man who didn't really know much about soccer and was coaching girls. And, you know, it was like, I was revolved around it. Like the team was revolved around me in a sense, like since I played and of course he was a coach, you don't mean to do it as a dad, like as a dad, but now everybody plays for Melanie. You know what I mean? So I easily like started becoming like one of the top players as a, as a seven-year-old, I started playing up. So I started playing my second year. I played U10 as an eight-year-old. But my dad was also the coach again. So it was a good experience. But it was like, at that time when I was younger, it was like, oh, my God, this is the best thing ever. But now it's so competitive that your dad can't be your coach anymore. Exactly. So at that, time, it was, at that time, it was kind of what I needed to, like, build the confidence as a youth player. So now, like, as I got older, it, it helped me, like, realize, like, there's more to just, you know, being coached by your dad. There's a lot that takes – there's a lot of knowledge behind the game that you need in order to, like, grow and to learn. So it was a good experience. It was something I needed as, an, as a youth player. But as I got older, obviously, you know, it was a certain time where I just – he couldn't coach me anymore. Exactly. And during that time, at that age, did you know that you were one of the top players? Did you feel like you were? I did, I did because – I was always asked to play for, for like Weston and, and, and Sunrise and West Pines and Miramar. I was getting looked at a lot. And I was, to be honest, the shortest player on the field. I was, you know, my dad always knew that. He always knew that that was always going to be kind of like a setback. But he kind of knew that if I, if I had great technique, if I, you know, if I always won 50-50 balls, that I was going to be looked at a little bit different. Because even though my height was a factor, if I had all these other things that I could bring to the game, I would get looked at a lot more. So I would say, like, growing up, I felt that I was one of always the top, you know, players on every team I played on. And that, of course, brings a lot of confidence to one's game, right? So you, you said uh, being the center of the team brought you confidence, and then it helped you realize that 
you know, you brought other things to the table when your height was a factor. Did you know at that age, around that age, you did you know what you brought to the table? Like, what were your strengths and weaknesses as a player back then? Well, I mean, when I was, you know, since when I started, my dad always technical work, always, always, always. Like, that was the one thing that we, like, our first touch, our our our, our technique, it was the, the biggest thing because I was already fast. You know, thankfully, I was always a quick sprinter and that we never really worked on because back then, like, running technique wasn't, like, a huge factor. You just needed to run fast, you know. But what was important as a girl was how good your first touch was and how good you were technically. That was, you know, one of the main factors back then because a lot of girls didn't have that. So I kind of always stood out because I was always that girl that did scissors, step overs, L behinds you know, pullbacks. So I kind of, my game was already, was already elevated. It wasn't just, you know, push and sprint. It was, how can I see the field? How can I play that ball? You know, before even knowing that that player was going to run. So my IQ was always already there. And then of course, a huge factor was always watching soccer. My dad would say, you want to be the best? Let's watch some soccer. My mom would be out there videoing. I have over 400 tapes in my garage of almost every game. And my dad would make me write all the pros and cons when I, you know, when I passed it to feet, when I lost the ball, how could I, you know, get better at, you know, it was, it was like, it was a, a great upbringing. You know, I, I missed out on a lot, but I also gained a lot in the game. So I, I, you know, in that aspect, I knew I was a top player because I was doing things that top players should do. Yeah. You know? I think that's, that's amazing. Cause I know players now today, you know, not necessarily they have, they might not have parents that kind of push them in that direction, but they have unlimited access to social media. And in social media, you can learn so many things, right? And I think you just hit on a very important point. Being able to watch your own film at that age and write down your pros and cons is so simple and so easy to do. And, you know, you can be done in, in, in a quick minute, right? Uh, but it helps you over time. Do you feel that helped you as you got older? Like now going into maybe your preteen, teenage years? Absolutely, because I would be, I would be playing and I, there was a certain ball that maybe I wouldn't play anymore because I, know, I knew it wouldn't work. There was a ball that there would be two defenders and I knew a chip ball would be better to play instead of that through ball. You know, so it just helped me in certain ways where I was forcing the ball too forward. Then now it was just time to play it back and reset the ball. So now I was thinking better and I was thinking quicker. And now I was able to play really any position on the field because I was learning so many different dynamics of the game. You know, I was learning so many ways to get rid of it quicker. Know when to drive the ball in. Know when to shoot. You know, of course, obviously I made my mistakes because I'm not perfect. But now my mistakes were two to three errors instead of 15 to 16 errors. So I was already developing as time was going, and that's why I was able to take it so far in my, you know, in my soccer career. And now that you're older and you look back, and now that you're coaching, what recommendation would you give to younger players? Would you recommend for them to also look back on their film? or to study other little things? Like what would you tell them to look at when they are studying the game? Well, I mean, a couple of things, a couple of recommendations, and of course they're just my opinions. Um, I would definitely say to definitely look back at video. I think that that's so important. I think that that teaches you the game so much. Um, I think that watching your video isn't just enough. I think watching soccer is also important. And, and if you wanna grow as an individual, you need to be watching players that are your positions so you can understand what they're doing that you need to all, you know, also be doing as well and learn from them. Because a lot of people, they play, they love it, they're good, but they don't realize how much better they can get if they just did these little steps. And even if it takes an hour out of your day, 30 minutes, it's, it's so useful for, you know, girls and boys, which, you know, they don't, they're not understanding that. They're not putting the time to do it. They just, some people are just raw talent and they're like, oh, well, you know, I'm so good, but it's like, how can you get better? You know, because what a lot of people don't realize is that these things can help you get into school. These things can help you get to scholarships. These things can, can help your future so much if you just put in a little bit more time and effort. And then of course, you know, an advice that I would give the youth is to also have fun. I feel like now of days it's all, it's so competitive that it's like, how can we get a 10 year old into college? And it's instead of saying, how can we develop a 10 year old to love this sport enough for now they're 18 and now they can get into high school and college. 
it's a lot of girls, you know, I, I primarily work with girls, you know, of course I'm, I'm trying to grow the boy side and, but I would say primarily for the girls, it's, it's a confidence thing. It's, it, it, that's been a problem. Confidence inside girls has been a problem. And of course, not every girl has their dad that can coach them. And, if, and he made me have that confidence. You know, he surrounded me with positive girls around me, positive influences, influences that made me grow to the person I am today. But I feel like a, a lot of girls don't have that. They don't have the, you know, the support system around them to tell them it's okay to fail. It's okay to mess up. It's okay. You know, they easily get drafted to the fifth team. And it's like, why? What, what are they doing wrong that they got on, on that second, third team? You know, what, what's going on where now they're, they were the top player and now they're down here. You know, so I, I just think that as trainers and as coaches, we need to do a better job at, at giving these girls and, and boys confidence, you know, giving them you know, why the reason as to why they're doing this, the reason as to the bigger picture, you know, like when they get out of middle school, when they get out of high school, you know? So I think that that's what I'm trying to do as, as a trainer, you know, I don't really set myself more as a coach because I don't coach teams. I like, I'm a, I would say I'm a developer, but I also, before being a developer, I am someone who tries to spiritually, like spiritually connect with a player. You know, I try to, before even starting a session, I want to know how your day is, how school going, how your parents are, how can I connect with your parents? Because if at home it's, you're not, their, your parents are not having a good relationship, how can I make your day better by just being at Shooting Stars? You know, like how can I develop you? You know, so I just think that right now in the youth development, we have to do more as trainers and coaches to make these kids realize the purpose behind sports, you know, like, what how positive it is you know to be in in, in a sport that you can grow and, and learn and and be around peers and have a good time you know and have make friends so i i think that's super important because do you think when you were growing up you had that like some coach or, or somebody close to you trying to get that connection with you before even starting a training session do you yeah you I, definitely have coaches. I, I definitely have coaches that i could tell were coaches because they wanted to be a coach for a season and that was that. And, and then I had coaches where I had a coach that his name was Jeff Horner. He was one of my Western coaches that um, I actually tried out for Weston, a top team and I didn't make it because of my height. Um, he took me, he took me in that season to uh, I played for team Boca. We actually ended up playing Weston, that team that didn't take me. And I ended up scoring four goals. Now what happened? Weston's calling me. Oh no, we don't really care about your height. Well, oh, both it. You you were the people who put me down because I was the shortest one on the field, you know. So I definitely had people who definitely supported me, coaches who definitely believed in me, even though I even when I would have a bad game or I had a bad tryout in ODP, they still were like, you know what? We know what you're capable of. We know what you can do. We want you, you know. So I think it's definitely important to surround your kids, you know, with positive mentors and like people who uplift your kids instead of telling them they're not good enough. Cause a lot of the time, you know, you have players that are so good in my training sessions. I have players that are so good and players that are just starting. And it's like, uh, the parent wants me to put the player that is just starting with the player that is just so good. And it's like, I want to do it, but now trust the process. Once she gets there or he gets there, I will put your, I will put your child that player. But right now your child is not there. And guess what? If I put your child there, their confidence is going to go so low, they're not going to want to play soccer anymore. So I think the game is just about trusting the process, trusting the process. You know, you put a, a kid in of two weeks training, don't expect them to be Ronaldo in, in a month. You know, you got you to gotta trust me in two or three years. We're, we're here for the long run. You know, okay. I, I'm, here, I'm here for the long run until your player gets to high school and college, and then they come back and they remember me forever. You know, that's, that's the goal. That's the goal that exactly. we're trying to accomplish trainers and coaches here. Exactly. No, and it, it just all goes back down to having patience, like, you know, trusting the process and having patience because it takes time. It takes time to develop the skills. It takes time to develop the understanding, the IQ, the passing, all those little things that is a huge factor that we tend to overlook when we're watching games, right? We're watching professional matches. We're watching our own matches, but there's all these little things because the game happens so fast, we can't pinpoint every detail, right? Uh, but, you know, it's it's great to hear that at your age, at your younger age, you had your dad kind of there, always pushing you, pushing you, pushing you. And there's a lot of players out there that have that support system as well, but there's also a lot of players that don't, right? So for the players that don't have them, 
it's important for them to go find them, whether it's through trainers, whether it's through coaches, whether it's through a, maybe a friend can also, you know, push you in the right direction, right? So, Melanie, after when you started growing up into the teenage years, around that age, you know, life starts to happen, right? We grow up, we get other interests, you know, for relationships, best friends, you know, um, what's the other word? Uh, bad intentions, all, all those little things that happen, right? At, at what age did you feel that you kind of flourished as a saga player? Like, okay, this is what I want to do. And this is like, this is my dream. Like around what age did you feel that? Well, I mean, to be honest with you, since, you know, like I said, I had my dad there. He was also a very strict dad. So I couldn't say that I always was, I had my moments, you know, of, hey, I'm going to try this party here or, hey, I'm going to, but really I want to say my whole life, it was geared to just the focus. You know, my dad was, uh, you got to be home by 8 p.m. I had a, I had a different upbringing. I had a very a military upbringing, which is a little bit different nowadays. I had uh, no sleepovers, no friends. Um, you can't go out. If I, you know, if we're speaking honest here, if I did go out, it was probably because I had a friend's mom fake that I was at her house and I was able to step out for two hours. You know, I, I had that type of relationship at home. I, I, uh, I lived at home my whole life till I was 18. Um, I got scouted actually by North Carolina, tar the Tar Heels. And um, I was too scared to, to leave home. I, and everybody, everybody was like, are you crazy? How can you not go there? How, you know, this is a top school. But I was like, mama's, mama's and, and daddy's girl, always home, always home. And it wasn't until I went to Barry University that I like moved out. I was on my own at the dorms. And, um, you know, I, I got a little bit of, you know, what it was like to be on my own. But to be honest with you, I was always, I was always soccer, soccer, soccer. Soccer was uh, always on my mind. It was nothing else. I, I didn't grow up with many friends because really I didn't care. I didn't care to have friends. I cared to train. And if you were my friend and you didn't want to train with me, then I didn't really find reason to be your friend. You know, I was always, I was always into soccer, no matter what, whether if it was pickup games, playing with boys, playing with girls. So Flourishing wise, I would say, honestly, maybe in my teens and at American Heritage, when I got a scholarship my freshman year, um, I grew up in public school my whole life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as a public school girl, you don't really, you don't think about private school because private school, you know, it's pretty expensive. It's pretty pricey. It's $20,000, $30,000, you know, a year. And, you know, I lived, I lived in Miami Lakes and we, you know, we grew up in public school and, and that was it. And then um, I remember getting seen at a tournament and in eighth grade by American Heritage and American Heritage Scout. And my parents were like, well, you know, that's great and all, but how are we going to be able to get you there? You know, how are, we, how are we going to be able to get you to American Heritage? And they offered me a full ride. They said, look, we want you. We want you to play there. You know, we're excited about you. We think that you can help the school. And I went my freshman year, we made it to the semifinals. And then my sophomore, junior and senior year, we won state champs all three years. And I was, all, I was captain for all three years. Sophomore, junior, senior year, uh, I broke a record. I was all team all conference. You know, I, I thought to myself, I'm like, I don't want to make my parents pay a penny for school. So it's like, how can I get my grades up? Because I'm not going to lie, it was very hard to transition from public school to private school. Plus playing on the national team for ODP. Plus I was playing for club and I was playing for American Heritage. So I was failing my freshman year of, of high school because now I wasn't even going to class because I was playing so much soccer to the point where I was telling my dad, I need to choose one because this is, this is getting out of control. You know, this is, I'm playing on three different teams. Like how am I supposed to focus school, you know, keep my scholarship. So I ended up not playing ODP anymore. And I just focused on my club soccer and, and American heritage. And, and, you know, it was a blessing because, you know, American heritage for me was, was everything. And I couldn't lose you know, I couldn't lose my scholarship. I couldn't lose my focus. I mean, a public school girl going to, you know, American Heritage, a dream school that a lot of players want to go to. This is, this is my chance. You know, this is my chance exactly. to show what I got. So I would say I would, my freshman year, it was like a wake up call. Like, you know, now it's time to really get your life in order because you're getting a once in a lifetime opportunity in my eyes, which I thought, you know, at that time. So I would say my freshman year of high school, 
for sure. Okay. And you hit on very important topics right there. First of all, like just listening to you tell that little story, like from the time we started this podcast till now, it's just so evident how driven your focus is, right? And I'm 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 taking a leap here and I'm thinking it's just the way your dad just threw stuff on you but you know it wasn't in a negative way it was more more so in a positive because you loved the game ever since you were a kid right now that focus and discipline that you need to have to reach the level that you got to to be put in front of these scouts and these coaches that could kind of elevate your game and put you in another in another position where you can flourish right what what would you say to those players that don't have that ability to be so focused and disciplined like it's it might be easy for you right because it's so natural it's been in your life the whole time but what about those other players that you know necessarily had a different um different upbringing they have other interests but they're also i want to play college soccer i want to go pro whatever the case is what advice would you give them to kind of have that focus that you have I mean, it's definitely easier when you have that support system and you have someone that's guiding you that's basically like, stay on the path, stay on the path. That even if you were to step off of it, they still get you on it. It's easier, you know? But there's so many different avenues now. There's, there's books, there's YouTube, there's mentors, there's trainers, there's coaches, there's friends, there's family, you know? There's so many that I feel that those are excuses if you can't find different ways to get there, you know? Because there, there are people that are willing to help you in any which way possible. There's kids I see out in the park training sometimes, and I, I go up to them, I'm like, what's your purpose? What are you trying to do here? They're like, well, I'm trying to make it pro. I'm like, okay, well, it, it's great that you're doing it on your own, but you're not being able to fix your problems and the things you're doing wrong because you're doing it on your own. And, you know, I offer them to the training sessions. Come train with me for free. I don't care because I know that if you're already out there on your own, you're already committed. If you're out there on a hot, sunny day at 11, 11 o'clock, and you're dying and the, the sun is beaming on your back. You're there. You're there for a reason. You know, you're there because you have no one else to be there with you. Okay. So in those ways, in those aspects of like people not having others to help them, there's just so many different avenues you can take. You know, there's so many, there's Instagram, there's Facebook, there's people that are constantly trying to get the word out. They're, they're trying to do the good, you know, they're, they're good. They're good inside. They, you know, they're trying to spread a positive message. Reach out to those people. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to, to reach out to somebody because you're shy or embarrassed, or you might, you might, um, they might not give you the reaction you want. There's a billion other people that might give it to you. You know, there's books that you can read. There's there, if you look up, uh, ways to, ways to distress, ways to focus, ways to immensely get your mind there. there there's plenty of ways. I, I started reading. That's one thing I started doing, you know, as I started getting older, how to like meditate, how to slow down, you know, because especially with everything going on right now, it's, it's so hard. Stress is a main factor. You know, there's so many things going on in the world that it's just, you need to slow down. You need to talk to your friends. You need to be around your family. You got to surround yourself with positive, you know, positive energy. So if you don't have people that guide, you know, that can guide you, like I guess my dad and my parents did. I would just say mentors, trainers, coaches, find someone that you relate to and, and, and don't, and don't give up on it. If, if you might not get a good response from one person, try another. And if you don't get from that, another person, try another, you, you have to continue in life. It's like, it's steps, you know, it, everything is steps in life. As you get older, you start realizing that you like, if you, if you haven't crossed this baby step, you're not going to get to the next one. So it's like just constant steps of trying to achieve greatness. You got you to gotta find ways. You can't give up. If you want to get to the top, you got to find ways to get there. And you know, the top is not going to just be there waiting for you like everyone thinks. Exactly. It, it, takes, it takes time. It's crazy because the blueprint is out there for free. And it's just waiting for you to find it. Exactly. Personally, I, I, I mean, thankfully, I had support system as well. But I also did my research on my own. Google, YouTube at the time, like Instagram didn't exist yet. Uh, Facebook was there, but there wasn't much, you know, media there that you could reach out. Uh, so it was all just YouTube, Google, YouTube, Google, YouTube, Google. But you got to actually love the process. Like you said at the beginning, it's, it's a process that you got to fall in love with. Like everybody's in love with the end product. Everybody wants to, you know, have the name on the back of the jersey, have that glory, whatever the case is. But, you know, to get from point A to point B, that whole process is like, 
It's super bumpy. It's hard. It's hard. It's, 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 yeah. it's tough. You know, even as a trainer, everyone thinks, you know, this is me being as real as possible, but everyone thinks like, oh, I'm a pop-up trainer now. Yeah, like I just woke up today and I'm going to be a trainer because I'm going to try to make some extra money. When I first started training, I started with off with six kids for, I want to say, seven, seven months, eight months. You know, I, it was like, all right, like I'm not going to broadcast myself. I, I'm still learning as I'm going, you know, five years exactly. in now. I own my own business and I have 200 plus clients. It takes time. And in the beginning, I said to myself, you know what? This is like a hobby. Let me try to get girls better. And I started realizing like, oh my God, they're, they're getting good. Cause you, you know, some of the girls, you know, you know, some of the girls that I train and you can see yeah. like these girls are a little bit easier to train because you know that they're, they've been developing well. And as I started and I started researching more, I started looking at other trainer styles. I started reading more. I started watching more soccer. This is what works. This turn works. This move works. Now, how can I get this in the training session? You know, so everything, like you said, it takes time. It, 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 even in yourself, like not just the player as yourself, as a trainer, you grow, you learn, you, you know, you're learning You're And then the, the best part of, about being a trainer is the minute I go play everything that I apply to the child, I do. I'm like, crunch your toes or this with your foot or roll the, you know, and now I'm applying it to my game and I'm like, Damn, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a good trainer. This is working. This it is works. working. I know. I know it works. <laughs> it's a, it's a process, you know, it, it's just a process that, that, and it's fun. I love, I love what I do. You know, that's the most important part. Like not only do I have a connection with these kids, but I go out to play to see them play. And I'm like, that, that's a little, that's a little shooting star right there. You know what I mean? Like, that, that's my little, that's my little like training, you know, that's my, you exactly. could tell. So then it's like, damn, this is motivation. This is what else can I do? How can I get that girl or boy on the national team? How can I get this player a scholarship? You know, with, by just being a little, like little ant in their life, it, it's just brings up so many like avenues for them. That's know? crazy. I see so much similarity between you as a soccer player and now you as a trainer. As a soccer player, you would always ask yourself, what can I do better? Okay, this didn't work. What can I do instead in the next game? Now, as a trainer, you're asking yourself the same question. So everything that you learn as a player, uh, over time, you can apply it to different areas of your life. And I've always told all of my players that the things you learn in the game is so applicable to life stuff. Of course. You know, all the no's that you might get when you're going to trial, all the yeses, you know, you, you can enjoy the moment, but, you know, one moment you're up top, one moment you're like, no, bench. You know what I mean? But how can you deal with that roller coaster? It's a, it's a super emotional game when, when things are going bad and going well. Like, you just, you need to be able to hold yourself level. So, uh, Mel, after American Heritage, you ended up going to Barry. I ended up going to Barry, and, and then uh, how did how did that happen? They they scouted you. Did you get offered a scholarship? Did you apply? Did you reach out? How did that happen? I also ended up getting a full ride to Barry University. Um, they scouted me, and um, you know it went well. I, I liked the whole college experience, even though I was living here, and it wasn't too much of a college college experience. But I was, I moved out, so for me, it, it kind of was in a sense. Um, I ended up. Um, transferring though to St. Thomas because you know the team fell apart you know at that time it was I guess it was a little bit coach drama and things like that and um, I ended up switching over to St. Thomas. Um, St. Thomas had wanted me my freshman year but I was like you know what I kind of wanted to get into like a, a little bit of a bigger school a little bit differently academically so I chose them. I transferred over to St. Thomas and um, my sophomore year you know, St. Thomas had never, ever in the years of being at St. Thomas ever won a conference. Nothing, 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 nothing. They've always been low-bracketed school, you know? So my sophomore year, I played center mid, and I kind of stayed behind the scenes. I, I got, you know, 12 assists. You know, I, I started realizing, like, my potential, but I was just like, they already had their forwards. And, like, you know, with girls, it's different than guys. And any girl that sees this podcast, she'll agree. Girls, it's like you step on some girl's toes – or you take her position and forget about it. She will treat you and not, you know, just not a good, it's just not like boys. It's like boys, it's like, all right, bro, you were better. It is what it is. I got to work to get there. Girls, it's more like, I'm not going to talk to you for a whole season. So imagine. I, I pulled back and I stayed center mid my sophomore year. Then my junior year, I would play forward and um, center forward and center mid as well. But my dad was like, why are you, why are you doing this? Why aren't you, why aren't you taking over? Like, I know what you can do. 
Of course. So that my junior year, we made, um, we made like the semis, but we didn't win conference. Okay. And then my junior year, my dad was like, this is your last chance because the last two years you haven't been, you know, where you're supposed to because of everybody else and what everyone else thinks of you. You, you, you need to like, you need to now apply, you know, everything that you've done your whole soccer career. So my senior, I talked to my coach and I said, look, the only way that, that we're going to win conference is if I play center forward and if I'm captain of this team. That's the only way we're winning because St. Thomas had never, you know, seen it. So she put me, she put me that my senior year um, center forward. I ended up scoring 36 goals that season. We won all conference. We even went to, um, we went to nationals. We lost the nationals, but it was like, you know, I, I needed to just, just do what I've learned my whole life. Like I needed to just take that role. And sometimes, you know, you're scared and, and, and you don't want to, but it's like, it was time for me to like believe in myself at that point, you know? And because I did so well, my, my, um, my senior year, that's when I got scouted to, to play pro. So it was like, what was I waiting for that whole time? You know, I was too busy about what everybody thought about me and not fitting in instead of doing what I knew that I could have done since my sophomore year transferring there. So another advice I would give is, you know what, there's going to be people that don't like you. There's going to be people that judge you. There's going to be people that don't want the best for you, but you have to be your number one fan. And that's what I learned my whole life. Like you have to be the person that you walk on that field and people don't like you own it, own it because you know what you can bring to the table. So that's what I, I try to give to these girls too, that, you know, when they beat a girl and a girl gets mad at them, own it. She doesn't like it. She's got to get better then. You know, there, there has to be an attitude nowadays where if you get beat or someone takes your position, how can I get better? Or what can I do to earn my spot back? Not, I'm going to treat you like, you know, I'm going to treat you bad because you took something that was mine. No, nothing in life is yours. You got to work for it. You know, you have to work for it. So that's pretty much my senior year, how that happened. You know, my coach believed in me. She saw my sophomore and junior year that I was excelling, but I told her, I said, look, coach, I know what I can bring to the table. Like, I know I could put St. Thomas on the map. After we won, these girls started wanting to come to St. Thomas. Nobody wanted to come to St. Thomas. St. Thomas was a little school, you know, nobody, you know, and, and we put the, we put St. Thomas on the map. And of course it wasn't just me, it was my team, but you know, it was my captain's duty of, Hey, you no know, drinking past, you know, when we're in season, no staying out till 10 PM. No, you know, I had to be that way. Unfortunately, did a lot of people dislike me? Yeah. I have to say I, I took, I was like the mom. You know, I was the one who said curfew, no drinking, be on time. If they weren't on time, I would tell the coach that I wanted to win that season. That was my priority. And, and you know what? I'm on scholarship. You're not taking that scholarship away from me. You know what I mean? So in ways I can be very selfish, but selfish to the point where it's to better you, you know, to better everybody. I'm never going to be selfish in a way that it's my way or no way. But if I'm in a moment where, we can succeed, we can win, we can, you know, we can do it as a whole, why not? So I've always tried to take that leadership role and try to show others that if you're not going to take it, who is? Who's going to take it? You know, exactly. there has to be more leaders out here. There has to be. Exactly. And I've come across a bunch of players that, you know, they're confident in everything they say, right. right? But it's also important not only to have confidence in oneself, but also to radiate that confidence out, you know? Right. And like you said, you came up to your coach. I'm like, look, if we want to win, I need to yeah. be captain. I need to play this position. That's radiating out that confidence that you need to show. So, Because the person receiving is going to be like, whoa, okay, yeah, she's right. Boom, let's do it. Okay, and then, boom, you guys won. But won. I think that's, that's super important also to have that, that leadership role. Not only, you know, you don't necessarily have to be the captain of your team to be a leader. You can be a leader and not being the captain. Uh, having, uh, holding yourself accountable, always looking inward instead of outward. Uh, I think you touched on a very important point there. It's so, so important. I think a lot of players like to blame other things around them, other players, other situations around them instead of looking inwards. You know, right. it's, yeah, sometimes things are not going to go your way for the longest period of time then maybe that's a sign for you that, okay, this isn't working out for you here. Maybe we can move somewhere else. But at the same time, you got to be looking at yourself as to why. Always ask yourself why and how every single time. I think it's- You so have to be accountable. You have to be accountable and, and you hit it on the nail. You don't have to be a captain to be a leader, but 
you know what, let's say you have a, a captain one day and that captain's sleeping, you know, they're just not having a good day. Who's going to step up? You know, who's, who's going to step up? And, and even if you don't get the captain ban, that doesn't mean you still can't be the leader. That doesn't mean you still can't push the team. That doesn't mean you can't still encourage each, you know, others. It's just, you know, you know how it is in life. Someone has a captain ban and, and everybody sees it as like, they're the one that has to lead. You know what I mean? Like, and, and I understand that and I, and I get that, but how can we all be leaders in a sense? You know, I, I did it because I knew that that was the way that I was going to earn respect on that team because remember, I came in late. I was a sophomore. These girls were all originals. They were freshmen, sophomore, junior. So when you come in, you're already instantly not liked because now you know whoever's coming in. Who are you? Whose position are you going to take? Whose position are you going to take? You know, that's, I I remember that day. I'm never going to forget. All the girls were working on the gym and the coach was showing me around. We walked into the gym and everybody stopped. They just looked at me and I'm like, this is going to be a long season because, you know, everyone is an original and they know now, you know, I'm a top player. You know, I'm, I come in, I, I'm scoring goals. I'm so forwards and center mids, they're, they're, they're feeling it. Yeah. You know, they're feeling it. And, and, you know, it was, that was the only, for me personally, that was the only way I was going to earn respect. Like that's, you know, unless I didn't have that band on my, my arm, that was the only way those girls were going to respect me because if I was trying to be a leader, then, uh, who is that? You know, but it doesn't necessarily have to be for everybody. Everybody can be a leader in their own way. But in your, if you're put in certain situations like I was, you know what I mean? I, I had no choice. Just got to own it. No you just got to own you it. You got to own it. 100%. Exactly. Exactly. After your senior season, you get scouted. Now uh, to play professionally. Houston yeah. was your first team. Yeah. And how was that jump from college soccer to the professional soccer? Like the, you know, the first day in the professional training environment, what stuck out to you right away? What was different? What did you like? What didn't you like? Well, at that point I was a little bit older now, so I was okay to like leave home. I still had my moments, you know, so that I didn't like, I didn't like leaving my, you know, my family and stuff, but I did. And um, it was a trial with 167 girls and only they were getting, they were only choosing three, three girls. And I remember going to that trial and I'm like, this is, you know, like, unless I do something remarkable, I don't know how I'm going to get chosen. I remember going in being the, you know, the smallest one again, of course. Um, there was a girl who was taking a corner kick and, you know, everybody's on different teams, everything like that. This girl takes a corner and I do a bicycle. I score a bicycle upper 90, dude. Everyone's like, what? Even I was like, let me just, let me walk away because I didn't even know that I could do that. You know what I mean? Like, and these coaches were instantly like, all right, she's already on the list. Cause I had to leave that night for the trial. I couldn't stay the three days. And um, I, somebody was having surgery in my family and it was a family emergency. So I was like, look coach, this is the only day I can come instantly. They were like, who is this girl? You know, and, and that, that to me was like, oh my God, like I was freaking out. I was nervous. You know, I'm trying out for a professional team. There's girls that are six, one on this little five foot two little, you know, thing, you know, what are you, what are you doing here? You know, type of thing. So, you know, that experience in itself was great because like, I knew I belonged, but like the, the height thing has always been like a, a factor for me, like internally, it's always been like, uh, you know, like why, why? <laughs> Why, you know, these girls are big, especially up north, the, the, the girls up there. I don't know what they're eating, but, you know, there, there's some big girls over there. So that experience was, like, awesome in itself because I remember getting that phone call, and I was so happy because my parents were like, this is everything you worked for. You know, this is, this is everything you've ever wanted, you know. So the pros were, you know, we had our own house. You know, we had a car. We would get, like, a monthly uh, an allowance for food. If forward center mids would score in like a tournament, we'd get bonuses. Um, you know, it was nice signing autographs and like meeting like, you know, little kids that supported you around. Um, there wasn't many cons, to be honest. I mean, it was just like everything else, 5.30 a.m. training, 6 p.m. training, two a days. I mean, the fitness was nothing I've ever seen. The fitness was, I mean, you're, you're, you're not going there to get fit. You're going there to throw up. You know what I mean? That's, that was the fitness. That was, that was the hardest part. Um, you know, that was, a, it was an amazing experience. Um, unfortunately, you know, I, I was there, everything was amazing. And then I came on vacation home. I, I we had like a break 
or something, you know, they were like, oh, it's Christmas time, go spend with your family. And a couple friends, you know, they called me and they're like, yo, Mel, we have a little 5v5 tournament, you know, um, we want you to play, we want to win. And of course, as a soccer player, you're like, vacation time, tournament, let's do it. Boom. I ended up tearing, tearing my ACL two minutes into the game, two minutes after signing a contract of something that I've wanted my whole life, something that was a goal for me, you know, like I was 23. I was my fittest I've ever been. Um, and I, my favorite, my, my inspiration growing up was always Michael Jordan and he was number 23. And, um, I, you know, I just finished watching the documentary now. I just thought he was all around all-star, humble, humble, you know, quiet, chill guy. Um, 23, man. I thought it was my golden year. I was like, this is Michael Jordan's year. This is Melanie Popionis' year, you know? I ended up tearing my ACL, and I was just like, oh, you know what I mean? It was just, it was dreadful for me. It was like, I, you know, I, I didn't, I had no desire to go back, none. No, no, no. And it was crazy because my whole life, this is everything I've worked for. This is, this was it. You know, this was, uh, in a sense, pay my parents back for things. In a sense, uh, you know, get out there. You know, you're playing on TV. Like, this was everything, you know. And then once I tore my ACL, it was so, I was mentally distraught. Like, I was like, my dad was, again, my support system. Took care of me. He, he quit his job. He was there with me every day. Every day, I mean, I mentally, I was, I was done. I was like, I was so, I was so depressed. I was like, I found no purpose even in life. And I know it's, you know, this is like a, you know, I was just like, soccer is only, the only thing I know. You know, if I, if I don't have that, I don't have anything. So for six months, I was, I didn't work. I was a completely different person. I was, I stayed in my room. You know, I was locked in my bed. I, because I, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. And then, of course, there's some people that come back. And those people that come back, man, I got to give it to you because that's no joke. That injury is no joke. Like, if you can come back from it, I got to say, like, you are the real MVP, man, because I couldn't even lift my life for four months. And after that, I was like, I'm never, I never want to feel this pain again. You know, I, I told myself, I was like, the pain was so excruciating for me that I, it wasn't, soccer was the love of my life, but it wasn't worth risking my my body to feel that ever again. So it was like, ooh, it was a time. That year, man, it was, I gotta say it was the toughest time of my life. Like I, it felt like someone close to me passed away or something. It, it was, you know, it was tough. It was a tough time. So during that time of that moment, did you, I know you were obviously at the bottom, the bottom you've ever been in your life, but were there things that you would tell yourself to try to get yourself to bounce back? Because I know, you know, you're at a low point in your life. You can tell yourself a million things and you're not moving. It feels like you're not yeah. moving, but eventually over time, you see progress little by little. Was there anything that you would tell yourself? Was there a routine that you would do to kind of bounce back from that? Like to, to bounce back to playing soccer or just as... I mean, now you bounce back, you have a super successful business. So you definitely bounce back huge in another yeah. way and still in the game. But uh, whatever, whatever was going through your mind during that time, like, were you looking to bounce back into playing, into coaching? What was going through your mind? I was more, I guess at that point, I was more, I, I didn't have any motivation at that point because, because I looked back at my life and I was like, like, you know, like we, we stated before, I was a public school girl who got a full ride. I, I got college paid for. I got, I made it to pro. It was like, everything was, was lining up for me. So then I was so unmotivated because I was just like, how could this happen to me? You know, I took care of my body. I was an athlete who got massages monthly. I ate healthy. I, you know, I, I did the proper steps. I, I chose soccer over relationships. You know, I was not, you know, I didn't have many relationships growing up. I barely had friends. So it was like, man, I did all these steps. You know, I did all the right steps. Something unlucky happened. And, you know, I, I got to, like, this guy went in. And, you know, you're playing pickup. This guy went in. He kind of, like, pushed me, you know, in a way that my body went off balance. My leg got stuck on the turf. Mm -hmm. And boom, just turned, you know. And the only thing, you know, to be honest, it goes back to my dad again. If I didn't have him who knows, you know, I mean, he was working at 
he had just got a job on the beach. You know, he was property managing one of the multi-million dollar condominiums. And um, he was like, I don't care. I'm taking care of you. This is, you're my priority because he knew, he knew how much soccer was my life. Like he was the one who instilled this in my life. He was the one who you better wake up and after school and before school, you better go train if you want to be the best. So I was out. Everybody knows me in my lakes. Everybody knows me as a girl who is always training. So honestly, I was just motivated to just start getting up again and like eating, having my normal routine. Cause I was just, I was in another world. I want to say for six months, I was like, I thought my life was over, you know, because I had been working for, you know, and some people might think to themselves like, wow, that's really dramatic. Wow. That's, you know, she's being really dramatic. This is a little bit, but when that's all you know, and that's all you, you ate for it, you slept for it, you woke up, you, you would go to sleep thinking about all the plays and all the goals you could score the next day. I mean, I was that soccer freak. I was that soccer balls on my walls and a goal at the corner. I had Mia hand posters on my roof. I mean, yeah, I was that person, you know, I was a little weird. You know what I mean? I was, I was a little so- soccer, like fanatic obsessed. Um, so then you take that away from me and it's like, what do you do with your life now? Because at least if I hang out with my friends for an hour, you go to the park. Hey, what time is Royal Oaks closed at? Is the park, are the park lights on? But now I couldn't walk. I couldn't run. I couldn't anything. So I want to say it took me like six months mentally just to like get up, just to get myself going. But then after a year, I, um, I started like, you know, running, jogging a little bit more, but I just knew. It would give out, give out, give out. And I'm like thinking to myself, man, if I get hit, I'm done. So cool story, long story short, I started training on the beach, running, uh, running on the beach, jogging, whatever. It was a year and a half in after my ACL. I was juggling, just juggling, whatever. And the USA uh, football league, the, the football league people, the coaches, they were just, they were playing. And I'm just there like this watching. I'm like, man. I wish, you know, I wish. So I, you know what I did? I, I got, I went to where, where they were and I started doing tricks on the ball. I started like, like behind them, but I'm like, kind of like if they were to turn around, they would see me, you know? Cause like, you know, I, that's how you work yourself in there, you know? Yeah. So the guy was like, the guy was like, oh, do you want to come try? And I was like, yeah, I'm down. I put my knee sleeve on and I'm like, let's do it. Like, let's do it. A year and a half later. And the guy was like, wow, you're good. I want to start training you. I'm like, all right, this is a USA national football league coach. Let's do it. I'm down. Then three months in, um, he goes, hey, we have a a trial in Oregon for the USA National um, Football Olympics. I'm like, what? So like, you know, 16 girls go out. I'm there in Oregon thinking to myself, these girls have been training for eight years, nine years. I'm three months in. We I go try out and then they pair me up with the best girl. We start killing everybody, killing everybody. I mean, 25 to nine, 25, seven. And then I got a chance to go play in, in, in Brazil, got my ticket paid for, went to Brazil, played in the demonstration sport of the Olympics. And I'm like, you know, that's what saved me. That's what saved me. Cause I was like, I can't play soccer, but this is something like soccer. I'm like, ball, you know, like, you know, the 80 day, 80 D ball, you know what I mean? Like I'm still in it. I still got it. You know, I'm still surrounded by it. So then I started picking up footballing, no contact. So now how could I get hurt? You know, like nobody's hitting me, nobody's tackling me. And then that's what honestly saved me, footballing. I was just like, I was at a point with no return, man. I was like every day questioning myself, why? Like, why me? Like, why, why, why? Not knowing the answer. And then, you know, footballing happened and I started like understanding who I was again, my purpose, you know, like my value. And then that's when the indoor started, the indoor idea started happening, you know, like, how can I give back now? Since I can't play anymore, what can I do to give back? And then this is how now I've surrounded myself about like with soccer. And this is, has been my distraction of not playing anymore. You get me? Like, that's what I want to say. Like, yeah. Oh, that's amazing. And and now, and now for everybody listening, now you have a successful soccer business running. Where are you located? What do you, what do you do? What ages do you focus on? So we're located in Davie off of Knob Hill, State Road 84. Um, we have ages from 18 months to 18 years old. We do adults, open play. Um, we're called Shooting Stars in their soccer. This is in our little shirt here. Um, you know, and, and it's a family fun environment. We have um, elite players. We have, we have players that are just starting. We have rec players. You know, we try to do everything. 
but this is this is this has been my chance to like you know what i mean like i can't play anymore but let me see you let me see that player but like me in a different body you get me like the trainings that i do i incorporate them to quick feet passing shooting everything like an all-around player but then i try to see myself in them if that makes sense you know what i mean like you know and i'm like no, come three days a week. Come four days a week. Come five days. I want to see you every day. I want to see you getting better because, like, that's that's me. You know what I mean? Like, that's me doing this for you, you know? So the indoor has been a very, you know, positive thing in my life. Like, it's something that I've really, like, I really needed. It's something that I just, I come in and I'm like, this is, this is mine. You know, this is, this is my place. Like, this is, this is, you know, I can't, I can't play anymore, but this is it, you know, this is it for me. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, very happy to hear that. It's, everything's going well. But just to wrap things up, I'm going to ask you a few questions, real simple questions, okay. just quick, and uh, just put you on the spot real quick, okay? All right, so my first question for you, what three things would you give as advice for somebody trying to achieve a similar mindset as you? What three things? All right. Um, it could be more. It could be three, four, five things, but at least well, three things. Yeah. Um, be good to your body. Eat good. Drink your water. Um, watch video. Watch soccer. And uh, most importantly, keep a positive mindset. Keep a positive mindset at all times, no matter what. Awesome. So Love it. Next question. What is your definition of being a winner? My definition of being a winner. Ooh, that's a, that's a tough question, but like it shouldn't be, you know, my, de my definition of being a winner is, is believing in yourself. And, and even when things go bad, even when you lose, even when you're having the worst day, how can you, how can you come back from it? How can you, what can you do to be better? What can you do to better yourself? If you're having a bad day, technically be there physically. If you're having a bad day physically, try to be there technically. Like there's just ways to, constantly evolve to be your best so just always give 100 percent. always give 100 percent, no matter what great advice and then my last question for you is after all the experiences that you've been through what advice would you give a 13 year old melanie <laughs> well that's that's pretty easy because i would say just keep doing what you always did because you know what like i know myself and i always like strive to be the best I always try to be the best. So anybody else I could give advice to, do your homework, do what it takes, take the take the hour to the park and, and go train, go meet mentors, go go find trainers. If you don't like one trainer, go to the next. If you like if you like your trainer, stay. If you want to try new trainers to, to open your mind and horizons, do it. You know, just just be good to everybody and 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 you know, just work, just work hard. That's that's really all you can do. Thank you, Melanie, for your time. It was awesome hearing your story. I'm pretty sure a lot of people are going to appreciate your story as well. As always, guys, remember, this is the Winner's Circle podcast presented by Grande Sports Training. We're available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you haven't already, subscribe now. And uh, until the next one, thank you.